your hair? Is your hair looking okay for the podcast? The listeners? Okay. Yep. Very good. So Should we get started the then now that you've fixed your hair? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for all our listeners. Um, <laughs> hi, welcome to Soul Rewind, part of that Rewind show. Um, Soul Rewind's that show where we rewind Better Call Saul and tell you what happens in each episode. And today we're going to be discussing season six, episode four, Hit and Run. Yep. Um, this was the directorial, directorial debut of, um, is it Ray? Is, do you pronounce her first name as Ray? Ray Seahorn? Rhea Seahorn? Ray. Ray, I think. Ray would be how we would say it in Ireland. Yeah. R-E-H-E-A would be Ray. Ray Seahorn. Um, oh, I didn't realize she directed it. I, I didn't even notice it. How did you not notice? It's been like everywhere. No. Yeah, so she directed this episode. I think it's the first time she's ever directed a TV episode, um, okay. which is really cool, which is really good. I think she did a great job. What do you think? Yeah, it was fantastic, yeah. Mm. Yeah, one thing we haven't done a great job of is acknowledging the different writers and directors that worked on the different episodes. But Oh, I know. Um, but they're I wonder all if we shows. could have picked up on their directorial style. Like, could we have been able to differentiate if we'd have paid more attention to them? You know, we probably could have. Probably, probably. Because some of the episodes are very different, you know, aren't they? Like, you just oh, yeah, get every, totally. every now and again, you get an episode that's like, very, has it a very different feel. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're really, we're in a bit of a, a, a press for time today. So sorry if it seems rushed. Um, but yeah, should we get stuck in? Yep, let's do it. Super. So we had a present day opening this time. So we retreated to a couple um, dressed in very Saul like um, tracksuits <laughs> cycling through a neighborhood. Um, as it turns out, Gus's neighborhood. Um, so they were cycling through the neighborhood and we had um, the Dreamliners playing in the background with their song. Um, These are the best things in life, which was right, a really okay. nice touch. So yep. I thought that really set the tone for the episode, especially the the verse that we hear as as we join them is is talking about like what the the dreamliners I guess think are the best things in life, like a fireplace <laughs> and a warm embrace and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. I guess this episode for me felt like they were giving us a bit of a break after last week. Like last week was a really intense ending for Nacho that a lot of us probably weren't very ready for, and uh, yep. this is just a nice little. I guess, well-paced little jog-along episode that's a bit of fun. Well, yeah, I mean, it's heavily focused on uh, Jim and Kim. Yeah. And like as right. I was saying last week, I just feel personally as a viewer, I think the show is more comfortable in the Jim and Kim mode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was something uh, just more comfortable about it. I don't know. Anyway. For sure. It did feel, it just felt like a much nicer episode to watch, but I guess it's because we didn't see the ending of one of our favorite characters, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, true, true, And it true. was just a lot of fun. Like, there was stuff that happened in the episode that was just a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it's you know, funny, for sure. Like, the return of Bill and, and things like that, you know, Bill Oakley. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they, um, they're they cycling along, and they stopped to moan about the big riot, the big giant red house. Um, so somebody's mm-hmm. been at their house. Tomato red, as she calls it. I think it's quite funny the way that um, they're calling attention to the red now. So we've talked about the color play and the red and blue during the first three episodes. And now right. the the writers and the directors are calling attention to a giant red house as if to say, yeah. look, here it is. Here's the red. And uh, yeah, they're, um, they have a chat about the red house and about how 
it kind of doesn't suit the neighbourhood. They've done that in the past before. Do you remember whenever Jimmy got the job at Davis and Meehan and in one of the scenes, they started to call out the things in the background of his apartment, like there were the big giant balls that Kim was right. talking about. And we yeah. thought that it was funny that um, we'd been chatting about like how, how packed the background scenes are and now they're calling it out. Right. You know, they're saying, look, pay yeah. attention to this red house in this, in this scene. It's like, look at this red house that you should pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, I wondered if it was a hint back at Nacho. Red was very much Nacho's color, and it was almost like saying this house doesn't belong here. We don't want this. We don't want your type of house around here. Oh, Um, that's true. Yes. Welcome in the plot. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, it's funny because did you notice that the color play has changed in this episode? We don't get red and blue anymore. We get green and blue. Green like and this blue, episode yeah. was covered in green and blue as the new color play. So I wonder if that's the color that's attached now to um, Jimmy and Kim's storyline. Yeah, insofar as blue, maybe it's just something associated with Jim. And then we're seeing green come in for Kim. Yeah. yeah good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're calling out this big red house about how awful it is and talking about the Neighbourhood Association. And then as they get back home again, we join and we see them filmed from CCTV cameras and they get yeah. back into their house and we see that their house is filled with um, these heavily armed guys that are, <laughs> are watching the house across the road. And they're, um, they, they just sort of weave through them as if they aren't there. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool because we talked about um, the weird juxtaposition of ordinary life with extreme violence that we saw uh at, in lalo's place and all the rest of it and how um there's a sort of an element of ordinary life going on uh, quite comfortably yeah. alongside a culture of violence and this sort of just brings it together they're right in the kitchen together yeah <laughs> definitely it's uh, it just seems so strange you know it is it's funny she was getting one of the guys a glass of iced tea you know it's funny it really is um i don't know it's kind of towards the end of the episode where we we get to like I guess the crux of that storyline. Um, yeah. You do have to suspend disbelief a wee bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> it is. It's interesting how they're so at home with all those guys in their house. Like clearly, they've been there for a long time. This is yeah. just, like it, it's it's. We come to find out that this is some kind of arrangement that they have with Gus. Um, right. But anyway, we'll get to there. Um, so yeah, it's the burner phone intro. And then we join Howard after after the burner phone intro. We join Howard, um, and he's listening to Benny Green's "Gliding Along," a nice little jazz number. Yeah, very good. Um, and he's on his way to. You say Benny Green? I that's what I wrote down. Yeah, Green is just like Green is probably chosen just for the name Green. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. <laughs> um, that and because that's what Howard's doing. He's just kind of gliding along. So we see Howard yeah. gliding along in his car, happy as Larry. Um, he's on yeah. his way to his solicitor's house, um, or not a solicitor? Sorry, oh my god, what am I talking about? His um, his therapist's <laughs> okay, house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's on his way to his therapist's apartment. Um, I love how I love how hard moves. Like hard is very deliberate in everything that he does, even his movement. Yeah. Like he gets out of his car and he stops in the curb and turns around to face his car before he locks it. Like what's that <laughs> all about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hard. Who great, ever yeah. does that? Um, opposite Howard's car, you see the the house numbers in green, in green, like an aqua green lettering. Um, it was a hundred to hundred and twenty. Um, and yeah, he heads off in. Um, did you notice the black SUV in the car park? No. Right behind Howard's car, so Howard pulls in, and beyond Howard's car, there's this really big black SUV that just really stuck out. So oh. I just wondered if that might be something that comes up later on. Um, mm. 
Yeah, it was kind of parked across two parking spaces, like it was poked into another parking space in front of it. So it just looked like it had been deliberately placed there. And because of its color versus everything else, it just kind of stood out. But it probably, it might not mean anything. Um, Right. You never know. But yeah, so Howard's visiting his doctor and his therapist. He's humming about, um, he describes himself as humming along. And then he's talking about his troubles with his wife and at work and things like that. So yeah, a little um, insight yeah. into Howard, how all is not well in Howard land. Yeah, his wife, Cheryl, they're sort of at a stalemate, we find out, uh, or dreadlock, deadlock or something, he says. I, I wonder what that's about. Is it, have they had a disagreement about something or is it just that they yeah. no longer want to be with each other or what it is? Well, it's just weird. You know, it's apparently hard has a life um outside of the show (laughs) yeah i know um so he said that he had a dream and then we joined this fuzzed out um image of what we think is hard walking along the street but we come to find out it's jimmy almost as if this is hard dream now that we're stepping into god what a fucking nightmare it's going to turn out to be um so we cut to hired or jimmy dressed as hired um and we see that the, the first clue, I guess, that it isn't hired is the big giant key in his hand. He's carrying down Huel's key with a big chipboard attached to it. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to Howard for a few moments and we can see Jimmy out the window um, right. over Howard's shoulder, which was a nice little touch. Um, yeah. And weirdly, did you listen to what Howard was telling his therapist at this point? Something um, about a gate number and ticket at the airport or something. Yeah, so he's helping an old man. So this is his dream. So in his dream, he's helping this old man um, trying to find his gate at the airport. He looks at the ticket and he can find his gate. But all of the gate signs, like all of the signs are in a language that Howard can't read. And I just thought that was a really interesting, like that's an interesting little snippet that Howard says. Um, he's trying to help this guy find his gate, but all of the signs are in a language that he can't read. And what what does that say? Like, what are they trying to say to us um, about know. things being in a language a... that that Howard can't read or that we can't read? Or I know that it's common in dreams for people to have difficulty reading words and numbers. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's normal. Um, I have had a, had dreams where I've been able to read, but a lot of the time you can't read um, what words and numbers are in dreams which is weird when you think about it there doesn't seem to be a reason why you would lose the yeah. ability to unscramble, to unscramble letters and numbers in dreams but apparently that's the case but yeah they're obviously they must have a purpose for uh, mentioning it yeah. here because there's very little goes by without a reason in this show i know for him to say that the signs are in a language he can't read is, does he talk about signs in his everyday life like is that maybe his marriage there are signs there that he can't read or is it what's about to happen mm. with jimmy and kim is he going to get a load of signs that he's not going right. to be able to read it's you all know? about the signs reading the signs yeah so that's interesting because then uh, coming up in a minute when jimmy goes to take return the car he has to move one of the signs yeah, yeah, okay. So it's about signs. All right. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah. So Jimmy um unlocks his car and gets in. Again, I find it quite hard to like cards sitting right above them and his car alarm like chirps to say that his car's open and he doesn't hear it through the window. You know, I think that's a bit of a stretch, mm. but anyway. Um Jimmy puts a cone in place to stop some people car parking there. And um we join Kim at her new office, which is the um El the the El Camino Cafe or the El Camino Diner where she's set up. Um, and yeah. so we head over to join Kim. Oh no, we don't. Sorry, that's not true. We head over to join Kim where she's meeting um Cliff, Cliff Mayin. Yeah, um, she's gonna go on. No, sorry. you go. I was just gonna say she's gonna pitch 
pitch something to Cliff. I, I, we don't get enough detail really filled out to see what it really is. I don't think at this point, at least I didn't feel that. And, um, but, uh, but well, yeah, she's, she's pitching really... her, she's pitching her concept for her new practice. Oh, right, right. Yeah, with five lawyers. Yeah. Some do goodies. Taking on the complex, yeah, the complicated <laughs> cases, trying to fix the legal system. Um, our attention's drawn to like a bright blue tablecloth on the table. Kim, as we join her, is adjusting her seat to make sure that Cliff can see over her shoulder. So she's setting up her seat to make sure she's not blocking the view. She's she's there to yeah. put on a show. Um, and uh, she hides her phone under the table then. Um, did you notice yep. the color of the buildings behind them? So the cafes no. or the buildings behind them are all red and blue. So there's three different shades of red and a blue building behind them. That's the color. Okay. But maybe it's like that terracotta pinky reddy color is just very popular in Albuquerque. And that's just the question. Well, they, they commented on that. And there was, they, they mentioned three different shades of red when they were talking about the red house. Um, she said it should be Adobe if it's going to be uh, red. And then, then they described it either as fire engine or tomato red. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That is, and then we had three different shades of red behind them in this scene. That is very interesting. Um, <laughs> so when Cliff arrives on the curb, the numbers again are are there are white numbers in the curb against a red, a, a red and blue background. Um, the street numbers again. These things might just be a little coincidence, you know what I mean? But it does feel yeah. like there's too many of them for them to be a coincidence. Mm. Um, and they have a bit of chit chat. She's trying to sell her agency. So her this this idea of not agency, her practice, this idea of how she wants to practice and support people who can't afford legal cover, but with really expert um, advice. Uh, they order some cake. He describes, he says that they serve killer lattes, which I thought was a bit odd for Cliff. Like it doesn't sound like something Cliff Main would say that they're going to get a killer <laughs> latte. Um, yeah. And then um, we cut back to Jimmy. So as we cut right. back to Jimmy, he's arriving at the... Um, the the motel and it's a scene from above where we see a, an aqua blue swimming pool with a faded red lilo and a bright blue little floaty thing of some kind so again we've got the blue and red um, yeah. and, and the introduction of that kind of aqua green right um, Jimmy pulls in past a huge wall that's red red bricks blue stripes and aqua green stripes so this this motel is absolutely covered in the aqua blue and the the aqua aqua blue green and the blue stripes um, and then right. we've got a green awning a bright red a thousand on one sign and blue and um aqua facades across all of the rooms opposite where jimmy is parked up so yeah we've got right. a lot of blue and green in this scene did you notice it no are you kidding me <laughs> i, I I noticed the green. Everywhere. I noticed a lot of green. I thought, okay, I thought, okay, this is the green coming in. But yeah. I haven't, um, we had, we did have the green light previously in the show. We didn't so much have green objects, but we had instances of the green light. Yeah. And like we that. talked about all the symbolism of that. And I don't know if this is going back to that, but it's, but, um, but oh, yeah. Don't say that. Cause I said like the green exit sign above Nacho in one of his final scenes was right. him telling us to get ready for Nacho to go. Like this is true, him true, on his true. way out, you yeah, know? Yeah. So yeah. maybe this is Kim on her way out. <laughs> it could be Kim or it could be hard. <laughs> oh my God. It could be either. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jimmy hunks his horn. Out comes his friend, Wendy, um, with her pink high heels on. So we get a really nice scene of her coming across the car park. He's in this big mad rush to get going. Obviously, they're under a bit of time pressure. Um, and then 
one of the other things I noticed is that in the motel sign, it advertises that they have hospital rates. So that was the other thing that I picked up on. I've never seen hospital that outside a hotel before. Okay. Like, I did Google it, and it does seem to exist. Hotels that are close to hospital <laughs> offer hospital rates. Hospitals offer okay. hospital rates. So it could just All be right. a coincidence again. Okay. But there were two signs at the bottom of their of their light box that looked like they had been added. They were new signs. One said hospital rates, and one said fridge and micro. Um, yeah, so okay. I just wonder, is fridge and micro another hint at something else that's coming up in one of the storylines, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, Jimmy's friend comes out and he's in a real hurry um, and he gets her, he hustles her into, into the car and off they go on their way to um, the next stage of this, this scam. Yeah, Jim seems agitated and nervous um, to begin with. He is, yeah, yeah, he is. He's very on edge. I think it's the time pressure. Like they must, uh, what's the average session with a the therapist about an hour? You know, yeah. so it's a lot to get done and get her car back in time. You know. Well, I also felt he was just still a little bit uncomfortable with the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, so they pull up next to a big mural. The mural again. The mural again is all greens and blues. Um, with a big red dice in the middle. Did you see the red dice? Yeah, it's um, got the numbers. That one has got two, eight, and 64 on it. I know. It's a bit of a strange dice. I wonder, again, number play. Like, they are definitely calling attention to numbers in this episode. Like, we had the um, the really bright green numbers outside Hard's apartment. The numbers in the curb where Kim and um, Cliff are having, um, are having coffee. And then the numbers here. Numbers are definitely being called attention to. I haven't yeah. written down what they all are, but it's definitely there. Maybe I should have done. Right. But yeah. Um, so as they pull up, there's also a decorative blue bike frame tied to one of the lampposts. Um, and then they're waiting. So they wait to hear from Tim, Kim to get the nod that um, this this can go ahead. So they're just waiting to hear from Kim. Um and it's yeah. funny, there's this really long pause while Wendy is staring at Jimmy. And then it's almost like Jimmy turns and asks the question that she was going to turn. Like Jimmy turns and asks her yeah. um, if she's sure that everything's OK. And it's almost like that's the question that she didn't <laughs> ask him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is everything OK? Yeah. Um, and she said that it is. And then she said she loves his hair. <laughs> yeah, that's Jimmy funny. with Howard's hair and he doesn't really uh-huh. know what to say. Yeah, look at I got today. Oh, it's a red dice. Look at that. Yeah, it's actually if you if you, you can't really tell, but it's beef. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> it's a flesh dice. You've got a flesh yeah. dice. I've got a flesh dice, and one I've got two actually. One's the raw beef, and the other one's the cooked beef. And what is the what is the story of flesh dice? Why are flesh dice a thing? Oh, I was done. We were down in this store in Tokyo, and uh, where they have uh, fake food items. Yeah, okay. Uh, Ultra realistic foods. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Like fridge magnets, plates you can put on your wall. Yeah, it's very cool. And I got these dice. But they're not real. Like, it's not real beef. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say. Yeah. Um, Anyway. That's funny. Um, Just as they're they're about to take off... um, he said to her, keep your feet out of the way because I have to take off in a hurry. I'm going to have to take mm-hmm. off in a hurry, so make sure you keep your feet out of the way. And then we yeah. cut to Kim. So Kim is um, selling her big idea here for the pro bono law office. 
and Cliff actually gets really into it. Like he has a history. His son has um, a drug issue. She, he's seen it from a different point of view and he gets really excited by it. Um, mm-hmm. And Kim almost forgets why she's there. Like she almost forgets yeah. like that they're there to scam as part of this scam. And yeah. it, it's almost like this, this is the point where she can make a decision to choose another path. The, True. The, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good like, point. I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, it came up because of, a couple of double I'll talk about the other things later on but I just thought that this whole this conversation in particular is where Kim is being faced with a choice so okay. she is is running this scam with Jimmy to to hasten the settlement of the lawsuit against Sam Piper so that they get this big chunk of cash and she can start to to run her law practice the way that she wants to with Jimmy running his cartel law practice um, right. And this is Cliff offering her another way. He's saying mm-hmm. he's getting really excited about it, and she thinks that that he can pull it off, that he he can introduce her to people, and she's being shown you don't you don't need to do this. She can um, right. raise the money in another way, which I just thought yeah. was really interesting. So again, back to Mike's conversation about choices and crossroads, and mm-hmm. um, choices put you on the road, and this is Kim's choice putting her on the road. So this yeah, that's is, right. This is On the, the start of Kim's. <laughs> yeah, well, I think this is the start of Kim's exit of the show. This is us leading up to that, I think. Yeah, yeah. In some form, although I still, I'm not, I'm still not convinced how they will be able to deal with that, like how they can exit Kim, because Jimmy will be so heartbroken. Like, so it's gonna have to come at a point in the show where either it just isn't addressed, Jimmy's heartbreak, or right. where they have enough time to kind of deal with it. True, true. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, tricky. Because how do they, how do they do it with that grief cycle and stuff? You know, I just don't know yeah. how they could do it in the show, and it remained true to like, um, better call Saul. You know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I don't know if we've had much psychological realism over um, like mourning people's deaths. Mm. Uh, we we haven't really had much of that, especially Chuck. I mean, it was just rushed under the rug, basically. <laughs> Well, we did in a way because Jimmy felt really shitty until Howard took the blame. Jimmy felt better once Howard took the blame for it. And then he was like, oh, happy days. It was you that caused the suicide. I know. But what I mean more like in terms of in real life, when someone dies, there's a family and loved ones and there's mourning and it lasts a long time and you witness the struggle. Yeah, but I don't um, think they had that here, kind of relationship. <laughs> Jimmy no, no, was kind of happy for him to die. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's. That's what I mean, though. It's like in TV land, we don't get much of that usually, you know, know. especially I don't know if you remember Law and Order, like Law and Order was terrible for that. You would watch Law and Order and someone's family or kid would get shot or something. Yeah. And one scene later, it's like that the mother or father's in the office with the cop and uh, they're just sitting there as if nothing's happened. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah. So in terms of Jim's, uh, Jim doesn't seem to have a high propensity for heart mourning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but this is his wife. You know what I mean? It's his wife. But yeah. anyway, so yep. Kim almost forgets why they're there. And then she's sitting with the phone on her hand under the table. And it's almost like she comes back to reality then. And she hits the send button um, almost again. It felt like she was hitting it so that she didn't not hit it you know what I mean like she hit it in such an urgency then that it was like she yeah. just wanted to hit it in case she she lost her bottle 
Um, right. But anyway, so as Cliff is giving her some advice, so, well, we see that the message come through on Jimmy's phone and they take off then. So Jimmy sees the message and he takes off and we cut back to Cliff and he's giving her some really good advice about how to set up the law practice. And um, we see in the background Hart's car tearing around the corner <laughs> with the screeching wheels. It comes to a stop and literally poor Wendy gets the boot. She literally gets shoved yeah. out of the car onto the, onto the footpath. It yeah. looked like a pretty painful fall and of course cliff is horrified he jumps up out of his seat and he's like oh my god <laughs> and she yeah. she struggles to her feet takes off her shoe and throws it after him <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um um she calls jimmy a twisted deadbeat piece of shit so we've had a few instances yeah. where people have hurled pretty good insults yeah. at jimmy that's one of the better yeah. ones i think usually with an earshot of kim but she doesn't pay them any mind I know, I know, totally, <laughs> like in this case. Um, so Cliff recognizes the car and he says to Kim, isn't that hard? And Kim plays innocent and says, oh, it happened so quickly. Um, yeah. So Jimmy drives back. He's listening to the same jazz track um, that I heard listen to, something about gliding along. And he gets back to the car park. There's somebody else is parked in his spot and he has this little childlike meltdown where he gets all wily, get whiny again about who would move a parking cone and why would they park in his spot? Um, right. Which, of course, any sensible person would do. Like, it's just an orange parking cone. Like, have you never done that? Being like, I'm just going to park there. <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe not police cones, but certainly just normal cones. Um, I mean, it's funny that Jimmy's like, what kind of asshole moves a parking cone? It's oh a my very mild God. misdemeanor compared to what Jimmy himself is up to. I know, I know. And it's the same, like, later on towards the end of the episode where he's having, he's retelling the story to Kim about how he gets back and that the cones move. And it's mm -hmm. the same. And I thought, well, who's going to fucking, like, compared to what you're doing, he's like, what kind of people do that? And it's like, come on, look at what you're doing yourself. <laughs> Um, yep. But anyway, so he moves the cone. He doesn't move the cone. We get this little scene where he's fighting with the um, the sign and he's actually moving the sign in the car park. There's like a patient's only sign that he moves onto the car parking space um, next to um, next yeah. to the, the last one that's all painted in yellow stripes. Um, and he does it just in, in, in time for Howard to come out and get back into his car. Um, those signs though are normally concreted in like they're not normally just stuck in the ground yeah. they're normally concreted in so again, you, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit that he was able mm -hmm. to do that um, and that when he pulled it out it wasn't attached to a big rock of concrete you know what I mean yeah um, but anyway it's a fun show so let's just give them the benefit of the benefit <laughs> of the doubt and then Howard gets into his car without realizing that he's parked on like a big stripy car parking space and and off he goes, none the wiser um, that all this has happened in the meantime. Again, just another moment where we have to suspend disbelief a little bit. So we rejoin Kim. So Hard comes out and he drives off and we rejoin Kim as um, she's dropping um, Jimmy's friend Wendy back to the Crossroads Motel. So the right. motel is the Crossroads Motel um again they're really firmly planting this idea that kim and jimmy are at a crossroads either it's for Howard or for kim that we're approaching something now this has put them on a road and we had the crossroads hotel now where kim is Howard was at the fork restaurant in the last episode the fork in the road and right. so this is definitely um Howard and kim being put on the same on the same path i think I wonder if mm -hmm. Howard and Kim are both going to finish up together. Like, are they going to end 
Are we going to show an end to both characters in the same plot line? Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. Um, like, is there going to be some kind of accident or mm-hmm. will the cartel get them? Will they both get busted? Like, what's going to happen? How's it all going to yeah. end? Is Hart going to lose his shit? Is Hart going to lose his shit and kill Kim? Possibly. He's definitely on edge. Yeah. And we know that from his um, therapist appointment, he, it's pretty bad. He said it's not getting any worse, which is a good thing, which means it must be pretty bad, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wonder, does Kim, does Hart take Kim out and then get sent off to prison? Oh, what a twist that would be. If he told yeah, they have the marbles. This- they seem to have a thing here for characters playing a hat, taking a hand in their own death. First of all, Chuck set himself on fire. Yeah. Um, then uh, Werner, oh, sorry, Werner consented. Ahead. Yeah, Werner consented to be shot. Then Nacho consented to be killed. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if uh, this is going to be something similar, more uh, suicide deaths. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I guess everybody's death. If you look at Ferner and Nacho, they're both deaths of their own consequence. Like Ferner decided to go off rogue and visit the hotel with his wife. Nacho decided to mm-hmm. to do it. I guess, yeah. Anyway, all these choices that end up with people on a road. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That Kim's at the Crossroads Motel. Hard was at the Fork Restaurant. Um, Kim had that moment with Cliff where she was showing that there's another way. Um, this is yeah. definitely her choosing a path. She's choosing this path um, for her and Howard, and um, we'll see how it ends, sure. I guess. Um, yep. So Kim's also driving a green car. As Wendy, as Wendy's about to get out, she points out the cops in the corner. So two guys pull up in the car, and she points out that she's being followed by these two cops or that the cops have arrived, and that'll kill her business for the rest of the day. So she's yeah. a sex worker, and that's going to kill off her trade. And... Um, Kim offers her some legal advice before she takes off, tells her to be careful, offers her some legal advice. And as she leaves the car park, she realizes that the undercover cops that Wendy, and in, in inverted commas, the undercover cops um, that Wendy had spotted are actually tailing Kim. She realizes that they're following her. Um, and yeah, she takes off. And we get some very sinister music. Right. Yeah, kind of more good creepy music here. Some good Scooby-Doo style music. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, we joined Jimmy, Jim and Kimmy, Jim and Kimmy, Jimmy and Kim at home, <laughs> and he's telling, he's retelling the story of the moving of the sign and and how great it was. He's even acting it out, you know, in movement. Um, yeah, he thinks that this is a great story that he got back, and they're talking about who does that, like who does that, what, why, why do they do that? You know what I mean? Why right. do they do yeah. that? Who, what kind of person <laughs> does that? Um, and again, we're just reminded that Kim and Jimmy are total fucking like what yeah. kind of person does what they're doing, you know? It's exactly. <clears throat> yeah. He, he wants to know if, if Cliff bought it um, and he does. And then she tells Kim, sorry, Kim tells Jimmy um, about about how Cliff bought into her idea for this um, legal practice that, that Cliff bought right. into the idea and that he's going to really support it. He really went for it. And Jimmy's like, what does that mean, money? And she said, well, she doesn't think it's going to heal bankroll it, but he can introduce her to people. And that she thinks right. he's going to deliver on it, that he's going to deliver on it. Um, and Jimmy thinks that this is unbelievable, like that it's such good fortune that they're both um, on a roll. He said, God, we're on a roll. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and yeah, he said, said we're on a roll twice. Um, I said, are we on a roll? And uh, yeah, it's funny because the old cinnamon rolls. 
Oh yeah, I knew the connection back to him at Cinema Cinnabon. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if we'll see an end to that Jimmy as well. Like, are they going to kill off that character? <laughs> like, will we see the ultimate end? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a just ending. <laughs> I think that they're going to have to. Like the last time we were in um, at Cinnabon, he had the, he thought that he was being followed. Actually, that's yes. a really interesting tie-in because. Kim thinks she's being followed. And, right. and in this scene, she's telling Jimmy about how she thinks she's being followed. And the last time that we saw Jimmy at Cinnabon, he was being followed and he, he was... thought he was being followed. That's um, right. So that's interesting language when he says, I think we're on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that a little bit of clever wordplay? Um, mm. So she tells Jimmy that, um, that she was being followed and Jimmy said the wicked flee the wicked flee when no man pursueth yeah which is a really interesting bible quote yeah um which I thought was quite odd that he's actually in this scene it's like um Jimmy is holding up a mirror to Kim so Kim is a bit taken aback and she says what do you think we're wicked like she hadn't thought like does this is what we're doing like really wicked Um, yeah and it's like Jim is now acting as the mirror for Kim and holding it up and say, and saying, yeah, pretty much the wicked flee when no yeah. man pursueth that you think you're being followed because what we're doing is really wicked. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, I had a look at that proverb. I can't remember. I think it's proverb twenty eight or something like that. And, uh, yeah. And it's all there's loads of different little verses about the law and about how you should obey the law and do the right thing and what happens if you don't do that, you know. So the whole okay, thing okay. is about is about the law and people who follow the law and who don't follow the law. So I wonder if right. um they're getting at something a bit deeper there. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it said, I didn't write it down. Um, but yeah, mm. so I just thought that was interesting. Normally it's hired as the character that holds up the mirror and let people see their own reflection, and this time it's kind of Jim did it to Kim Which, um, and he's just come off being dressed as hard so a little bit oh, of hard dropped off on him yes that's true <laughs> that's so interesting yeah um, and then he laughs it off he tries to make a joke about it and says oh of course I'm not saying that that we're being wicked it's just you know you've got to listen to the voice of experience um, yeah. you feel like that because we got away with it you know I think they're very early in their scam to say we got away with it there's so many things that could catch them you know that totally. that they could get caught out by mm-hmm. um, yeah Jimmy was um, at the end of the scene well, at the end of the scam Jimmy was very happy as they were um, as he was driving away he was really happy with himself pleased with himself you know he was buzzed yeah. he got the, the after scam adrenaline rush uh, that feeling of accomplishment Oh, for sure. Um, (laughs) And it's funny how he thinks that that's it. Like he said, we got away with it. Um, But he doesn't realize how the whole thing could catch up with them still, you know, like the things that they're doing um, are bound to come out at some stage. The way Jim, Jim, Jimmy was seen at the country club before Howard's Coke was discovered. You know what I mean? Like there's so many places that they could get caught out, like, yeah, Biff was having coffee with Kim whenever the hooker was kicked out of the car. Sorry, right. um, Kim was having coffee with Cliff whenever <laughs> the sex worker was kicked out of the car. Um, yeah, you know, so there's so many places where their story—it's just going to be so obvious that it's Jimmy and Kim that have done this. Yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. it all comes out. Um, so yeah, we cut from there to Jimmy at court. Um, so this time the word is out. So Jimmy arrives at court and he's given a lot a hard time by the security guys. 
um, whenever he goes through the gate and um, they make him take off his jacket and his belt and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, Jimmy's having a hard day at court today. Nobody really wants to be his friend. Um, yeah, nobody loves Jimmy anymore. Yeah, that's it. Um, the, clerk, the clerk that he's normally quite good friends with and moves all of his appointments around with, I can't remember her name, but she's a great character. She was in the show quite a lot before. Mm-hmm. Um, he sent her a cookie bouquet and, and or her son a cookie bouquet and he needs this hearing moved, but she won't do it for him. She asks, what friend is it for? And he won't tell her. He just shows a little teddy bear. Um, yeah. But she won't do it. She puts the clothes sign up and poor old Jimmy's out in the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the same reaction from Hannah Banana, somebody who he, he calls Hannah Banana, who he's quite friendly with. Um, and um, then we meet our good old friend, Bill Oakley, who, uh, who was once Jimmy's pal. So this is one of Jimmy's yeah. partners, I guess, in court from whenever he was a, a public defender. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got his crisps are stuck. His chips are stuck in the machine again. Poor old Bill and his chips. Yeah. Um, that's like a really fun little character play that every time we see, we see Bill, he's got chips in his hand or he's eating yeah. a bag of chips. <laughs> fun with chips. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Jimmy confronts him. Bill gives him the cold shoulder and Jimmy confronts him about it. And of course, Bill tells yeah. him exactly what's it, going on. It seems to me this might be an action of Suzanne, the, uh, the DA. She's put the, she's put the word out of what Jimmy did and everyone now knows about it or somehow it's gotten around. It's like the gossip machine at work has turned and now everyone's turned their back on Jimmy. I know. And it seems like poor Bill is actually really quite hurt by this, by what's happened. Like it was quite an emotional moment when he said that he understands that lawyers have to advocate for their clients. And, but he just can't believe what Jimmy has done that he scammed the court. He said, you've scammed the court, you scammed the judge. And what for to get this um, murdering cartel psychopath um, out yeah. of jail? Um, I mean, they don't even know the half of what Jimmy did too. That's just half the story. I <laughs> know <laughs> that's the thing. Um, that's the thing. It was really heartfelt. And then Jimmy shouts out, "Prove it, Bill! Prove it!" And Bill said, "There's proving and there's knowing." And you know yeah. how true a fact, how true a statement is that? You know, just because you can't prove it doesn't mean that you don't know that it's the truth. That's um, right. So yeah, poor old Jimmy's out in the cold. Um, Bill seems a bit like it was very heartfelt, his little monologue, but sure. I yeah. guess that's what happens, isn't it? Whenever people are mates with Jimmy, they always end yeah. up a wee bit disappointed. A, a wee yeah. bit disappointed. Um, <laughs> so we head over to the El Camino Diner then and pick up with Kim. Um, and yeah. she's meeting with one of her clients. She gives him his lunch. Then she sees the blue car across the street mm-hmm. and she heads off to confront them. Um, so we get this nice little uh, scene set up with through the windscreen of the car. So we're we're seeing Kim through glass. So we're looking at Kim through glass. Okay. And yeah. um, it's her behind the car as she writes down the number plate, and the two guys are inside the car. And she mm-hmm. confronts him and said, "You know why are you following me?" They deny it, and um, they drive off. They wish her a pleasant day and apologize for <laughs> for annoying her, and off they go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a navy sedan with a light blue hood. So another little bit of color. Play. Yeah. First feeling was that they were cops, but then we now know that well, we find out later that that's not the case. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we head off to join Jimmy back at lunch again. So he's at lunch yeah. again. This kind of was another regression to teenage Jimmy. It reminded me of like the kid in school who nobody wants to sit with at lunchtime. Um, yeah, that's right. Exactly like that. Um, the first time we've ever seen this part of the courthouse where they all head outside and there's a nice little picnic area for mm-hmm. them to sit in. 
Yeah. Um, but no one wants to sit with Jimmy and he starts to yeah. get phone calls. So he gets a few phone calls from people. And I guess word is spreading yeah. in the, the, the underworld as well about how Jimmy is the cartel guy. Yeah, all the criminals are only too happy to sit down with Jimmy, but uh, yeah. no one else. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> Poor old Jim. Um, yeah. So he sets up a few meetings. He said that he's got a rush. And um, I love the line that um, he tells his clients that his office, he's getting mahogany floor polished in his office. Mm. So he's moved to his temporary office and he's letting a salon use the lobby. And um, that's right. what he said. I've let the salon use the lobby, but my office is in the back. Um, and that's where we yeah. head off to. So we head yeah, I thought at least I thought it was at least a step up for Jimmy not to be faking a voice, faking a receptionist voice. He's actually answering the phone as, well, I would say as himself, but as Saul Goodman. As the character. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that started whenever he became Saul, didn't it? Whenever he dropped that that fake British accent. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speedy justice for you, I guess. Um so yeah, we head off to the salon and we meet Mrs. Nguyen again. So she's another one of our favorite characters from the past, Mrs. Nguyen. Yeah, I love her. The um the salon owner, and she's really pissed off because she's got a salon full of, <laughs> of really seedy people inside. Reprobates. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we get this really nice kind of conversation between Jimmy and Spooge, one of his new <laughs> <Spooge>. clients. <laughs> about, is he the guy? And Jimmy's like, yeah, I'm the guy. Salamanca's guy. Yeah. So it was, yeah. um, it was good. And so all these people have turned up where to spread that Jimmy's Salamanca's lawyer. And uh, now everybody wants him as, a, as, as their lawyer. So yeah. it turns out to be a pretty good business move. Um, so we have Spooge, Spooge, Spodge, whatever his name is. Um, Navan, Just- Dante and uh, Rocco Cobbler was the other one. His other Jesus. client meeting. Yeah. Um, they all get kicked out, so he tells everybody to queue up outside, and he's got a line of about seven or eight people that he starts to give numbers to, and he moves the cucumber right. water outside, which annoys Mrs. Nguyen again. And yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. The scene. So Jimmy's yeah. a popular guy. If he's he's not popular with the lawyers, but he's popular with the the I guess the underworld. Yeah, the criminal underworld. Yeah. Yeah, those are his new friends now. Then we go sure. back to Kim at the at the restaurant. Yeah, so she's back at the El Camino Diner. Yeah, and, I noticed um, there's a there's a black chicken in the middle center oh, frame when notice. she's when she's at the counter with Mike. There's a the door has a black a black metal cast iron or something. Chicken. Yeah, with a chicken on it. Yeah, That's I don't see anything in it, but I just it was interestingly placed dead center of the shot between the two of them did you see the other thing in the salon did you see all the hands on the table no in the salon just as jimmy comes back in jimmy comes back in after giving out the cucumber water and um mrs nguyen goes cucumber water is for paying customers only and he hands her a big wad of cash and right. in the foreground of the shot, there's like a table set up with all the nail polishes, and there must be like 30 mannequin hands set up in a circle, like just <laughs> up like this. Oh, that's cool. Chopped off okay. at their wrists. And uh, I kind of wondered, is that like a little hint at a storyline that's coming up? Like, is somebody going to lose their hand or their hand? hands? <laughs> yeah, the hands. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, interesting. So yeah, Kim's back at the El Camino Diner. She finishes up with um, her client and says cheerio and we see that Mike is waiting for her at the bar as she pays 
Um, and mm-hmm. just about just about when she's just when she's about to turn and go, he says, um, the guys aren't following you anymore. She's looking out the window and he just randomly goes, right. they're not there anymore. And she's like, what do you mm-hmm. mean? And then um, she sits down for a little chat with him. Yeah. Um, so Mike makes it clear to Kim that uh, there will be someone following them. He hints that uh, Hector's still alive, mm-hmm. more or less says, without in, in so Hector, many words. Lalo. Lalo, sorry, uh, still alive. Yeah. And Kim, um, ex- Kim seems to have a wave of fear and anxiety come over her at the prospect of yeah. Lalo being alive. But Mike tries to reassure that Lalo is going to be concerned with bigger fish. And um, she doesn't necessarily need to worry, but there will be people watching her and Jimmy. Yeah, that's it. She wants to know who Mike works for. He won't tell her. And she realizes that Mike was the man that helped Jimmy in the desert. So she puts two two and two together. Um, She asks why Mike has come to her instead of Jimmy. Um, And Mike said that it's because she's made of sterner stuff. Yeah, supposedly. And uh, that's the second time something like that's happened. Whereas when Suzanne took Kim aside, uh, we questioned why it was Suzanne took talking to Kim and not directly yeah. to Jim. And now the same thing's happening. That's right. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder mm. in this case, is it just coincidence? Like the only it's the only reason Mike there because um, Kim Kim blew the cover. She found the guys following her. Is yeah. that why Mike appeared? And he has to kind of try and smooth it over. Um, but in right. a way, he's right that that Kim is made out of sterner, sterner stuff. You know, we saw oh, how totally. she rescued Jimmy whenever Lalo was in the apartment. If she hadn't have been there, I think Jimmy probably would have, that would have been the end. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. Mike with his yeah. grandfatherly advice again, you know. I mean, in a way, it's a shame because Jimmy was made of sterner stuff towards the beginning. I remember Jimmy and his when he reamed out... Uh, uh Tuku was it or uh that's right you know I mean Jimmy used to be a tough a tougher characters he was he's able sort to of gone downhill. Out of it. yeah I guess it's just how the storylines have worn him down like the whole thing with Chuck and with um the the him getting lost in the desert and everything else True. he's just been worn down you know yeah he actually um it was Jimmy handled Betsy the first time around he gave Betsy that's a right. good talking to and uh that's send them, right. Sent them to justice, and uh, and then in the second iteration with the Kelmans, it was uh, Kim that had to deal with Betsy. Yeah, that's right. She had to stand up and do it. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? But maybe it's because maybe it's because in these scenes, it's actually much grittier. Like whenever Jimmy was doing it, the stakes were quite low. Whereas now Kim is being like a real asshole. Um, yeah, and I don't think like although Jimmy was a bit of an asshole to Betsy in the first one, it wasn't anything like Kim's take on you know he That's just true. stole their money. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim and Betsy, Kim was pretty vicious. You know, I felt quite sorry yeah. for Betsy after poor old Betsy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's interesting how that that has changed. Um, so yeah. Uh, where did we get to? We were just uh, finishing up with Mike and Kim and the Black Chicken of Death. And um, then uh, if you don't have anything else there, we go over to Gus arriving home. Oh, that's right. So this is where we find out what's going on with the couple at the start of the episode. Yeah, it's uh, Ranchero Gustavo. Yeah, so Gus gets home and um, he walks through his house. We find out that he's got seven identical yellow shirts, <laughs> one for every day of the week. <laughs> and in his closet, 
he turns the TV on and he heads um, down into his basement and passes his own body double in the tunnel. Yeah, I just put together the black chicken of death and Gus has been referred to as the chicken man. Oh, yes, of course. The chicken at the... Oh, so is yeah. Gus going to... But why would Gus take to, Why would Gus take Kim? Why, why would that... How would that I don't know, about? but I, I have... I have a funny feeling it might turn out to be something accidental, you know, like in the God. No, I suppose it wasn't accidental in the Godfather. In the third Godfather movie, whenever his niece or something or granddaughter or something gets shot, that's how it ends. Yeah. Um, but it's like a big drive by and they're shooting at everyone, so to speak. Maybe yeah. Kim's just going to be in the crossfire. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's like a big shootout and she gets shot. I, I don't know. It almost it has to be bad enough that it pushes Jimmy over into Saul Goodman forever. You know what I mean? There has to be a moment yeah. where he becomes Saul. And it's funny because the Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad is the Jimmy that we knew back in season one where he was wheeling and dealing and he was super confident in the courts. And he isn't this kind of broken half Jimmy that we have at the minute that can't quite get his shit together. Yeah. So there has to be something that kind of motivates him back into that frame of mind, but doesn't totally break him, especially if there's no break in the timeline. Like if we're going to leave off where Jimmy joins Breaking Bad, which is like around season three, there has to be, Mm -hmm. maybe there is a big break and it's explained by Jimmy's morning, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Who knows? There's a lot that's going to happen, but yeah. The black chicken, the black iron chicken, and now we're joining the chicken man. Um, again, we're we're showing two different realities here. So we've got Gus in his house with his tunnel compared to Lalo in Lalo's house with Lalo's tunnel. Yes. Like yep. Lalo's house was full of love almost. It, like he was very charismatic. He was surrounded by friends. Um, and there was a lot of love for him, whereas in Gus, it's big, it's empty. It almost feels very cold. Like there isn't mm-hmm. anybody else there with him. Um, and he goes down uh, Lalo's tunnel is one that you have to crawl along with some (laughs) string lights hung, construction string lights and Gus's tunnel you can walk along it's finished in concrete, (laughs) it's a much higher standard so it's we've got two different contrasts Gus basically has a lair it's it's more of an evil lair you know, a la Dr. Evil kind of thing yeah Yeah, that's right it's very calculated whereas Lalo's it's there by circumstance he needs a tunnel to escape so he builds a tunnel whereas Gus has created this this layer you're right it is it's very calculated he's a James Bond villain sorry yeah he's a James Bond villain yeah basically even that setup with the couple across the street like that didn't just happen overnight like Mike didn't just build that tunnel in two weeks Mm -hmm. like so that has all been planned and arranged and put into place Do you not think like it's another moment where we have to suspend disbelief that the couple across the street, either Gus is hired to live there and this is how they live their life, knowing that they're in his his lair, his escape house, or he made that deal with them when they moved in. But it's like an ongoing deal. Like you don't just have a tunnel into somebody's house without them knowing about it. And it's also casual. And so that's all been planned and has been there. Very odd. Very odd. Yeah. So again, a moment where you have to suspend disbelief. And then if he does pay these two guys to live in the house, the man and the woman, like even that is a bit of a stretch that they haven't mentioned to somebody. We do hear what my job is. I get paid to live in this fucking random guy's escape house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just really strange. A moment I thought where you have to suspend disbelief. Totally. Yeah. Imagine your neighbor coming in and be like, do you mind if I build my tunnel into your basement? 
<laughs> well, actually, yeah. I do mind. <laughs> you know, how do you yeah. even have that conversation with somebody? So you must have had yeah. to buy the house at some stage and then arrange for these people to live in it. Yeah, for sure. Really odd. And then the fact that he had a body double. So did you spot his body double past him in the hallway? No, I didn't. So Gus, yeah, as Gus was going through the tunnel, somebody that looked exactly like him and that was dressed exactly like him was going in to occupy the house to make it look as if he was there. Yeah, it's somewhat ridiculous because anyone could just go get him at Los Poyos Germanos any day of the week that he's there working his regular shift at the chicken shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so what, what is it? Yeah. I know. And then here he is at his house. There's like six guys watching his empty house. And like at Los Polos, there's just one guy that's there, man in the, the fry fryer, like the chip fryer. Mike and him talk yeah. about the line cook that's the one man in Los Polos. It's like, that's right. That's where he's there all the time. So why is there only one guy there? And there's like seven guys fucking watching his house. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Are you going to go if you're Lalo? Lalo watched him for weeks in the desert. Like Lalo said a few times, I spent weeks watching Gus. Yeah. Um, So he knows where Gus is going to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just thought it was all a bit odd. Total suspension of disbelief, though. It's a very fun show. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) So they're watching. uh, He gets back. He swaps out with his body double. Him and Mike have this conversation about a van that's been following him. Mike's all over it. He knows everything that's going on. And we get a sense of scale then of the operation. So Mike says that he's had guys all over town. They're working 18 hour days um, that they're getting really stretched now. And there's still no sign of Lalo. And there's a little right. bit of tension between Mike and Gus where Mike still doesn't believe that Lalo's alive. Um, yep. He said everybody else in the world thinks that Lalo's dead. Um, yeah. And Gus insists that he's alive. And, and Mike is like, well, where is he? Where is he then? Mm-hmm. So there's this little bit of tension between the two starting to creep up. So I wonder how that, yeah. will, that will turn to. Yep. Um, so we leave these guys. Do you have anything else to say about that? Not really. I mean, no, not really. I mean, we've talked we talked about the juxtaposition of uh, the violence and the normality. And yeah, um, here it's just more stark with with um, with uh, with Lalo. It was more psychopathic. You know, he was a he was a psychopath or something, a genuine nut job killer. Yeah. With no remorse. But everyone loved him and it was like a happy family scenario. Um, That was odd. Um, Here, it's much more cold. It's much more stark. Um, And uh, despite the fact that it's uh, a highly unrealistic situation, you know, it's more like freaking Dr. Evil than reality. But uh, it's still a fair representation of how out of place this extreme violence appears in a suburban setting. Yeah, for sure. Right. A normal family setting. So I don't know. I, I thought, I thought there was almost something deliberate about how they constructed those, those two things. Definitely. Definitely. The yeah. way that the two characters that play Gus's neighbors just carry on as normal. Like the yeah. Gus, Gus emerges from the tunnel and they don't even look up to say hello. Or they just pretend that it's not happening. Yeah. I wonder if that's a commentary on society about how this kind of extreme violence does actually happen, but everybody just pretends that it doesn't. Yeah, in a way, yeah, that's definitely um, an interesting, we should talk more about that, hopefully, as it continues to come up, because I've been having some thoughts. For sure. Um, So we head back off to join um, Kim at uh, Jimmy's new office. So Jimmy has arranged to meet with Kim outside what he proposes to be his new office. Um, yep. And they're both standing, kind of looking in through the window. And Kim thinks that it's a bit of a shithole. Um, yeah. 
and uh, Jimmy lets her know that he's been kicked out. So he's been kicked out of uh, his other office. And this yep. is his, uh, his in the middle, his kind of meantime office that he's proposing. Um, but I think this is the office. This is the office he has in Breaking Bad. Is it? I was going to yeah. say, I couldn't remember. I thought for, I thought that it was on a corner, but maybe I've misremembered that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think I remember the strip mall. It looked familiar to me right away. Yeah, I'll maybe look it up. Um, did you notice it was being let by Sloppy Real Estate? <laughs> sloppy Commercial uh, okay. Real Estate was the name of the of the um, agency. Oh yeah, Sloppy Sloppy. I get it. Okay, yeah. Sloppy. I wondered what was it. Sloppy. It was spelled funny. I I noticed it, but I thought, what's that? And then, but is it actually spelled Sloppy S L O P P Y? Well, I think it's S L O P Y, but I I don't. Okay. There might have been an A. There might have been a Y. An A. I wonder if it's slop. It's both sloppy and slopey, you know, as in the slippery slope into uh, criminal yeah. criminality. I'll have to check. <laughs> it could be that. I thought maybe it was a hint that they're him, Jimmy, and Kim are actually being a bit sloppy in what they're doing, and they're going to get caught out. Oh yes, good point. But yeah, I thought yeah. that could be it. I'll check how it was spelt though. Um, yeah, I like that yeah. angle. She thought that it was a bit of a shithole. She said it's small, it's dirty, it smells funny. Um, but then she sells it to him too. She said it's a few minutes from court. It's got good parking and um, mm-hmm. everything else. And uh, he makes a promise not to move the toilet that's in the middle of the office. And off they go then to get some dinner. Yep. And that's where we leave them. That's the end of the episode. That's it. So again, it was like we had some progress in a couple of different in just that actually just one plot line, wasn't it really? Like we got yes. a bit of insight into Gus and his house and that setup, but we didn't really have any progress there towards a resolution with Lalo and what's going to happen. Almost like yeah. a reminder that it's all just going on. Um, we did get progress on Jim and Kimmy's um, scam, um, which we called last week. So we said about how with the, the post-it notes, there was a high heel and was it going to involve sex workers and hard car? And that's exactly what came about. Right. Um, I didn't pick up on any Easter eggs or any hidden things about what the next scam might be, apart yeah, from what we saw previously about there being a script and casting. So I just wonder, like we thought maybe that was the return of the film crew, what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, some progress, a bit of filler. There was, this is like yeah. a filler episode, isn't it? Like in between, we're yeah. in between. Yeah, just a little bit of fun. Not um, Just a Not little bit of heavy. fun with their their scam on hard basically is what where we're at. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the episode. Not much happened mm-hmm. really. The the yeah, hard shake down quite well. Um, yeah. maybe they're just giving us a break after what happened with Nacho last week. They've just given us a light week. I mean, it's definitely a shift in tone. We'll see how long it persists for. Yeah, before we get back into the action again. Yeah. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to pull out from that episode or anything else? <sighs> No, not really. I feel like I could have maybe got more out of it, but just circumstances being what they were here, I um, I didn't get to give it as much attention as I would have wanted to. So I might rewatch it and see if there's anything else. Um, but yeah. no, I think I'm happy enough. Yeah. Very good. Um, thanks so much, everybody. We've had a few emails from from people sharing their thoughts. I'm sorry, but we won't have time today to chat about them. Simon's up to his eyes in Japan and we have mm-hmm. to cut the episode a bit short. So sorry um, that 
we can't get around to it, but we really appreciate everything that you've said and, and taken on board. There was a lot of commentary on that show and how, um, how his character's end came about and about his relationship with um, different other characters and stuff. So yeah, really good. It was really good to, to get those. Um, so keep those yeah. coming. If you've got any thoughts of your own, send them in at solrewind at gmail.com. Um, drop us a note. Um, we'll maybe pick them up as like a separate mini episode or something to, to talk about um, everybody's thoughts. But yeah, send them in. We do appreciate it. And sorry, we can't, we can't get to it today. Yep. We're sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Saul Rewind, um, that show where we rewind Better Call Saul and tell you what happened. Hopefully, hopefully you find it quite interesting and fun. Um, we know you're out there. We really appreciate that you tune in and listen to us. Um, it's really good. Yeah. Um, don't forget yep. to like us on Instagram at Soul Rewind and um, find us on Facebook too. And yeah, get in touch if you've got any thoughts. And um, you can also check out our website, thatrewindshow.com, um, where you can read about this show and about our other shows, which are coming up um, over the next couple of months. Yes. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> I never know what to say at the end of the episode. I know. Yeah, um, we can say it's over now. Um, Feel free to stop it or <laughs> wait until the music ends. Oh, and, uh... Don't forget to rewind. That should be the thing. Yeah. Like, don't forget to rewind whenever you return your tapes. Sure, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, be kind, rewind. Someone already had that, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. I had a really funny moment with oh it was in it was in um I was watching Dairy Girls. Have you watched Dairy Girls? I've done uh, season one and two. It's so good. I'm on season two. It was the scene where they're in the extra vision and the guy's yeah. like freaking out with the kid because he hasn't rewind his video. It was really right. Funny. Anyway, yeah. don't forget to rewind your tapes. Yep. <laughs> I watched Dairy Girls. It's really good. Oh, it's so funny. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch Dairy Girls. The third season is yeah. out in the UK. I'm sure it won't be too long until it's on Netflix. Yeah, I can't if wait for it. If you're in the UK, um, you can catch it on all four. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. It's funny. Every time I say bye, I click on the leave button, and then I have to remember that I'm not actually leaving. <laughs> <laughs>